going to be blasphemy. Everybody criticized, including me, Jay Williams, for his take on Caitlin Clark. I watched Caitlin Clark last night, and I got to tell you, I didn't see greatness. I know messing around and got a triple-double or almost got a triple-double, my man Ice Cube. And today was a good day, but I didn't see greatness. I saw quitting, whining, complaining, blaming. We'll talk about that. Armando is going to join us. We're going to get into some NFL as we move towards the combine coming here in Indy. But you know I'll be on with Stephen A. Smith, our favorite target. He walked back his racist comments on McAfee. Oh, man, I got two words for you. My ass, don't at me, starts right now. You know, this was supposed to start out as me saying to Jay Williams, who's a friend, like, what are you doing? Why are you doubling down on your Caitlin Clark isn't uh, the GOAT take? And then I decided something yesterday. Like, there's no chance in hell I'm going to sit through an entire Indiana women's basketball game. I understand that's blasphemy. I understand you're not supposed to say that. I understand him and Indiana women's basketball is better than IU men's basketball. I get all that stuff, so save that. But I wasn't going to sit through the whole thing. My wife and I are watching a great show called Killers, but I turned and I said, hey, I want to watch fourth quarter. So we watched the fourth quarter, and my wife, who is a very, very harsh critic because she was a superstar in her sport of people, and particularly women in sports, is like, all oh, she's doing is complain. I mean, she's complaining every time, shooting bad shots, which I guess are good shots for her, missing layups, looking at her coaches, putting the hands out. She had four points in the second half, and I got to tell you, uh, I got gas watching her. No, I did. I lifted a cheek. I lifted a cheek to you, Caitlin Clark, yesterday. And I know me and others, we decided that, hey, wait, Jay Williams was wrong by not saying she was the GOAT. I had said she was the GOAT. I rescind. Jay Williams did not rescind. Jay Williams, uh, well, let's listen to what he said after he faced great criticism of his criticism of Caitlin Clark. Please stop with all this race baiting shit. Please. Ain't nobody out here trying to do that. It's just hoopers. Now, the comment of great, they're both great, okay? We're talking about levels of greatness and immortality and in the pantheon of greatness. There are levels to great with chips. That's how I think about it. You think about it differently, fine. But the only thing I'm gonna say is to all you keyboard courageous people that want to call me a bum or try to make fun of my career, none of y'all could hold me. None of y'all. 90% of y'all didn't even pick up a basketball. You can't even dribble the rock. You can't even shoot. So let's stop being tough guys on the keyboard. Just because you disagree with somebody doesn't mean you need to call their game a bum when you know that's not the case. Because every game day, I bring these people on the court for them to shoot around and people airball the ball, but these are the same people calling people bums. And I laugh, I'm like, oh, who's really the bum? And it's out of love. I come from a place of love. I don't come from a place of hate. <laughs> Say all this stuff, call people bums, but I come from a place of love. Yeah, well, he's full of shit. I can hold him. I guarantee you. I mean, he can kiss my ass with that. I mean, he's just some little dookie. Make it get tough, and I'll hold his ass. Are you out of your mind? That'd be easy. Hell, I held MJ. I'll hold him. 60 years old, I'll hold his sorry ass. I mean, what, are you nuts? Eh, maybe not right now, though. I just forgot I have a replaced knee. Hey, the hip is good, though. Yeah, that's so stupid. I mean, I, I'm embarrassed for him. Because you could play at Duke. Look, hey, I'll say this. Jay Williams, go to Rutgers. 
Why don't you go to Rutgers? You tell everybody you're almost going to Rutgers. Why don't you go to Rutgers? I mean, why didn't you win a championship there? What, you didn't have Battier? You didn't have Dunleavy? You didn't have Boozer? Hell, you couldn't beat Indiana with freaking Kyle Hornsby, who's a great doctor, by the way, and a great shooter. Dane Fife didn't play in the NBA. I don't know. Did A.J. Moye play in the NBA? Nope. George Leach? Nope. Jeff Newton? Nope. Jared Jeffries did. One. And you had all those guys. So don't act like you're some mega baller. You couldn't play in the era that I played, so shut up. You'd be crying. I didn't I didn't hear that. And now that I've heard it, I'm like, shut up. I could hold you. Hell, I held guys back in the day, but I got to get the knee fixed first. You couldn't hold me. That's always the moron's answer. Look, if you were so great and it was about chips, then you should have gone to Rutgers. But you went and went to a stack team, won something, and now you're talking like you're something. Hell, we beat Michael Jordan and we had one pro, Uwe Blop. I mean, they had eight. Don't even try that crap. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. But but to the point, to the point of, well, is Caitlin Clark great? Of course it's race baiting. We all know that. I mean, hey, as soon as they, anybody says it's not race baiting, at least I'm honest about it. If that was African-American girl, it would be a totally different deal with Jay Will and Cheryl Swoops and every other African-American. I mean, look, we're beyond that. We understand that. That's not even up for debate right now. That's not something that you can say, well, we wonder if it's race. We know it is. It is what Donald Trump provided us. Clear lines. I'm a crazy-ass liberal. I'm a conservative. I hate white people. We see it all the time. Don't even try to say that's not race. Of course it's race. It's what you guys do. Everything is right. Little white girl, not lesbian, Catholic, dates McCaffrey's uh, son. Oh, we hate her. The mean lesbians of the WNBA, the African-American announcers. We know this. We know this. Everybody knows it. This isn't some freaking like, oh, my God, can you? No, no, no. That was 10 years ago where we all had to be quiet. White dudes in particular about five, three, four, five years ago when idiots and thugs were rioting and we're all supposed to sit there and go, oh, my God. And I did. Hell, I wasn't stupid. I shut up. And then I realized, wait a second. These are thugs burning down my city. Screw you. But, of course, it's race baiting. But I will say this. I watched Caitlin Clark twice. Second half, fourth period, fourth period. I think they call it periods. Oh, my God. Can you imagine a women's game calling it period? We must not call it that. Fourth quarter? Fourth quarter. Hockey's periods. I'm sorry. Anyway, fourth quarter, I watched her against Nebraska. Bad shots, bad bad attitude, bitching. Go, and I know you're not supposed to say bitching, but I, I say bitching about everything. You know, it's just what I do. Coach Knight did. I did. My dad did as well. I quit bitching, Dan. Oh, okay. <laughs> I watched her against Nebraska. She was awful. I watched her last night against Indiana. She was awful. And not just awful in terms of missing shots. And she missed some easy ones against Indiana and got frustrated. Well, you know what, Goats? I guess they get frustrated too. I guess that's just what we're going to say. She's a great basketball player, obviously. The crazy lesbians of the WNBA are going to make life miserable for her. We know this. African-Americans are mad because, well, as uh, those idiots, uh, Gilbert Renus and others say, this is our sport. It's not. Hell, I held the greatest player in the history of basketball, kicked his ass out of the NCAA tournament, and then bitch slapped him on the golf course for six grand that he never paid because he's a Welch. But I digress. Ha! Anyway, 
I'm not all in anymore on Caitlin Clark after watching that act last night. I'll get back, though. I'll get back. She'll hit some deep threes, uh, go like this or give it that or whatever, and then we'll all fall in love again. But Caitlin Clark was a mess last night. She was embarrassing for herself. She was very un-goat-like, and it was the same thing against Nebraska, which leads me to believe, is she just a front-runner? I don't know. Is she just is she, when things go good? Well, y'all know. Come on now. I was gonna shoot a logo three. Okay. For the record, come on now. <laughs> okay. You think little farm girls say come on now? Do you really? Okay. Anyway, it's so funny. Anyway, uh, I watched her twice. No good. It's great. And I'm sure Iowa will come at me. The corn folk will send Adam Woodbury and his eye poking self at me. But I'm just telling you. Uh, I ain't mad at Jay Williams for talking about her not being the GOAT anymore. But Jay Williams, an idiot. You can't check me. I can check you. Let me get my left knee. Give me, you know, a year. Let me get my left knee right. I'll check you today, tomorrow, the next day. What are you talking about? Anyway, Stephen A. Smith, who is dumber than dumb. Ah, No, that's a lie. I got to take that back. He is not. That is not a case. He has made himself. He's very smart. No, that's dumb. He's racially stupid. Let me put it that way meaning he has to make everything about race while being stupid. He's stupid about Pat McAfee. Like, African-Americans at ESPN 1,000% get treated better, more leeway, they show up late, uh, they yell loud. I mean, they just do. And everybody there knows it. And I wouldn't say it unless Stephen A. Smith didn't start lying and saying that McAfee, meaning other whites are treated better, and he has to be better. No, 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 no. All you got to do is have a resume, and on it says, hey, I used to play, I'm African-American, you'll get a job in broadcasting at ESPN. Danny Z told the story. It's just a fact. I'm not mad about it, I care less. But I'm just telling you, it's a fact. I mean, you want a job, if you don't, like we have a guy here in town named Stephen Holder. Stephen Holder, African-American guy. Reason he's with ESPN is African-American guy. Gives no insight. And if he was any good, he would be on a desk every after every morning on one of these shows. But he's so bad that even as an African-American, he can't get it. But we all know this, but Smith came out, and the reason I'm talking about it is Smith came out and said that white guys or black guys got to be better. No, they don't. All they got to do is show up. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Same thing in college basketball. Coach, all you got to do is show up, you'll get a job. Anyway, so Stephen A. Smith was talking trash about Pat McAfee. Well, Stephen A. Smith then has walked back what he has said about Pat McAfee. I was not talking about Pat McAfee. Well, yeah, you were. Well, of course you were. You said literally he's not as polished as you. I mean, I don't understand. Like, when people don't have a chin, I just pay attention to this. When people don't have a chin and they have big mouths, they are gutless. I just watch it. Watch it your whole life. This was pointed out to me at a very young age. We had a kid in our neighborhood. We called him Chin. And all he did was talk. And anytime it came down to tackle with it, he was gutless. So I've always thought that. So I see Stephen A. Smith. I see no Chin. I see that he makes fun of McAfee. Can't keep McAfee's mouth or name out of his mouth. Can't keep his show out of his mouth. And yet, here's what he says. I wasn't talking about Pat McAfee. You literally said Pat McAfee is not as polished. I was not talking about his show. You literally were talking about his show. I support him and his show. That's like saying I have hair. Stephen A. Smith is so jealous of what's going on with Pat McAfee that he cannot stand it. And really, ESPN needs to get, has to get their employees in line. 
I mean, these guys are idiots. Listen to this. The more successful I become, of course. I've said it before. I'll say it again many times over. Hell, whether he believes it or not, I don't really know. We've never really talked about it. I can tell you this for a fact. One of the greatest things that ever happened to somebody in my position is Pat McAfee's show coming to ESPN and then getting paid because you set the market. See, ESPN needs to straighten out its employees. It does. And, and they opened up a Pandora's box where African-Americans can say anything they want, blah, 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 blah. We saw it with Ryan Clark talking about his contract. ESPN needs to do what ESPN used to do. ESPN used to be the place where you knew you had to perform and you could be gone at any time. They did not renegotiate with Mike Tirico. They did not renegotiate uh, with Brad Nessler. They're like, hey, you guys can go. We got somebody to take your place. That's what ESPN needs to get back to doing because they're a mess. Internally, I hear it all the time. What a freaking S show. Guys showing up late. Guys showing up unprepared. It's a mess. Guys publicly talking about their contracts. Let me ask you a question. I, just, just a question. In any other company, major company, do you ever hear people talking about their money? Do you ever hear so much talk about their money? Like Eli Lilly, Pharma. Do you ever hear employees talking about their money? No. Most adults that have a brain, shut up. They do about their money. They negotiate. They're tough on it. Ryan Clark came out and started talking about like he was trying to get public support. Like, what a pussy. Stephen A. Smith can't stop on it. Like, ESPN could right now, and they don't understand it. Same thing with Indiana basketball. If I were going to hire a coach in Indiana basketball and say, I'm paying you $500,000 a year, I'll tell you what, I'll make it sweeter. You get two cars, one for your wife, uh, membership to the country. I'll do some of that stuff. Now, if you want to go back and coach at Rhode Island or you want to stay at Texas Tech or you want to stay at Mississippi, God bless you. But this is Indiana. This is what we're doing. Same thing with ESPN. A. Smith, we're going to get somebody fill in that show. It may go bad for a little bit, but I'll tell you what, it's going to get good. Eventually, we'll find the right guy. Now, this is what we're paying you. I'm done with you guys race baiting. Take it, leave it, period. But ESPN doesn't have that kind of balls because somebody will call them racist. Bobby Barak talks about it all the time. Look, when you are in a position of ESPN, you're the worldwide leader. Act like it. That's why I always like George Steinbrenner and Bob Knight. That's why I cannot stand Indiana basketball players right now. They act like they're normal. George Steinbrenner, when he bought the Yankees, knew he had the Yankees, so I'm going to go buy great players. ESPN used to know we're ESPN. Uh, we can fill the Tirico spot. We don't want to pay that much. We can fill Nestler's spot. We don't want to pay that much. Now, they haven't been able to, really. I mean, the list of guys that are doing games is embarrassing for ESPN, while Tariko and Nestler both have gone on to great things. It's embarrassing the college basketball guys, as I've gone on to great things. The DEI hires in college basketball it makes it unwatchable. But the fact of the matter is simply this. ESPN has stopped. Stopped. What's the right word? Not controlling. Stopped acting from a position of strength. They're acting from a position of racial weakness. Oh, my God. If we don't sign Ryan Clark, well, we're going to be called racist. That's why they kept Omani Jones for so long. That's why they kept Jalen Rose. They wanted to fire Jalen Rose 100 years ago. Jalen Rose was bad at his job, ill-prepared, a mouth, tough to work with, all about himself. Why do you think that NBA show has never taken off? Charles Barkley's the easiest guy in America to work with. He's easy. I mean, he doesn't need to sit there and be the star and be the smartest guy in the room. Smith does. Will Bond does. That's why that show is god-awful and getting worse. But anyway, ESPN hasn't figured out that we are in control here. 
and I'm tired. I would do this. I mean, I'd, I'd take the bullets. Hey, ESPN's racist. Yeah, okay, so what? Big, big deal. Because we didn't sign a guy? Hmm. What other company do you hear? What other company do you hear their employees talking so much about their money? You open up that Pandora's box, man. That's what you get. All right, the end of coaching, as we know it, happened yesterday. A lot of you think it happened well before. Hmm. Nope. The end of coaching happened yesterday. Dan, what happened yesterday? Well, let me tell you what happened yesterday. And I got to get my head uh, earpiece in for this because here's the deal. Rick Pitino has always been a very honest, bad mother Hubbard as a coach. Always been tough. 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 Unafraid. Rick Pitino the other day came out and he criticized his players. Old school. Old school. I try to tell people all the time. I'm like, man, you're a coach. Shut up. You know what I mean? Nick Sirianni, the coach of the Eagles, just gave the dumbest excuse for why he is struggling as a coach. I got to tell you, Nick Sirianni has negatively been impacted by the suspension handed to the big fat guy named Dom. He says, listen, according to Gunn, who's a guy, I guess, I wish you guys would put in who Gunn is. But anyway, uh, Dom DeSandro is a big fat guy. He's a big fat guy on the sidelines, got a house with the San Francisco 49ers, and they kick big fat Dom DeSandro out, off the sideline. Gone. See ya. Adios. Well, Nick Sirianni is saying things like this. I'm getting in arguments. According to Gunn, the banishment of security chief Don DeSandro from the sidelines after he made contact with Dre Greenlaw during the December 2nd game against San Francisco threw Nick Sirianni off balance. Big Dom controls Sirianni's emotions on the sidelines. And in his absence, Nick gets in numerous arguments with players and coaches during games. Well, then Nick Sirianni's an idiot. I mean, honest to God. I mean, if you need a big fat guy to sit there and keep you under control, then you're a child. What are you doing? You need a big fat guy to go with you on a recruiting trip. You need a big fat guy to say, hey, we're playing cards at my house. You need a big fat guy to come over when you're sad. But if you need a big fat guy, and Derek Gunn apparently is a reporter, to control your emotions during a game on the sideline, what in this Sam hell are we doing? Like, be an adult. At some point, you're the coach. You're the coach. I always thought this as a coach. I'm the coach. I'm going to act like a coach. I mean, I may make the wrong decision. I may not do everything perfect, but I'm going to be the goddamn coach. I'm going to be the guy that sets the thing here. We're going to do what in the hell I want done. Period. That's it. And I'm not going to be like, well, because big fat guy isn't here, I'm going to lose my mind. The Eagles went on a free fall after Big Dom's suspension. What? It lasted the rest of the regular season. They won only one more game, gave up the division title. Look at that. That's unbelievable. After the lone victory on Christmas, Sirianni admitted he was too tense during the game. What is Sirianni, a child? Look, I understand. I like Sirianni. He looks like a friend of mine, Daryl Collins, who was really a tough guy, good dude. But I got to tell you, if you need a big fat guy, to do anything other than to eat with, drink with, play cards with, 
get in a fist fight with, then you're an idiot. If you're a coach, a NFL Super Bowl playing coach, and you need that fat guy right there, his sorry ass, can't control his weight, stupid looking, I'm a sausage eating. What do you do? I own a gym. Every NFL guy you know with a big mouth, what do you do? I, I, I own a gym. I'm a trainer. Now, shut up. What does Big Dom do? He eats. Probably little numbers on the side. Maybe a little brawl here or there. He's got all the answers. You need women? Hey. <laughs> no, that's straight from the movies. But my God, look at this fat. I was going to call him a, yeah, I hate this. Like, I get tired of guys like Big Fat Dom that could not play dead. You know what I'm saying? And yet he's in a hassle with a professional football player. It's amazing to me. It's astounding to me. And it's like Indiana fans that say we. I'm like, we? We? I didn't see you there at a 5 o'clock practice when Knight was making me dive loose ball drills against a 270-pound guy. I didn't see you there. We? I got a lot of stuff in my brain that just, I don't know. But look at Big Dom. Sirianni, you know what that tells me about Sirianni? He's a fraud. And he needs a little protector. I mean, girl, no, no, Siri. See, see, I don't, I don't know, Siri. I didn't say Siri. So why are you coming on? I didn't say Siri. They're listening. I'm telling you, it pisses me off. It pisses me off that they're listening. I didn't say it. And yet, here she is. But anyway, Big Dom needs to be back. Man, I'd be looking at him like, I, actually, as a player, I wouldn't care. Actually, I, as a player, it'd be like, hey, man, Big Dom, no Big Dom. Uh, you going to play me? Big Dom, no Big Dom. Am I getting in the game? <laughs> big Dom, no Big Dom. What are we doing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's unbelievable. You know, but here's the thing. Why are we paying these guys? Like, why are we paying Sirianni millions of dollars if he's so mentally unstable? Why are we doing it? Like, uh, I, 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 like you're paid million, You're paid more than the CEO of Eli Lilly a lot of times, who has thousands of people, millions of different drugs, all this different stuff. And you know what? You're so mentally weak that you got to have a big fat guy hanging out next to you or else you can't control yourself. See, what needs to happen, I mean, I hate to say this, but what needs to happen, and this is going to happen, one of his players needs to punch him. Yeah, I hate to say, if you're going to be all this argumentative and you're going to be a player's coach and you're going to be the guy, not Big Dom, they don't need to to punch him. No. Sirianni. One of the players needs to go, hey, coach, man. I'm going to hit you, and you're going to stop all this, and you're going to act like a professional. Or I won't hit you, and you're going to stop all this and act like a professional. I don't care whether the fat ass is here or not. You're going to act like a professional. And if you can't, well, don't coach us. Honest to God, it makes me crazy that we have so many coaches that are so immature, so goofy. I tell you what, we got one coming up. Here at 10 o'clock, Shaka Smart, who's the exact opposite. 
This dude knows who he is. Shaka Smart knows his ass from third base. Big time. And he's doing a hell of a job with the Marquette. I'm going to call them Warriors. I think they're the Golden Eagles. When I was a kid, they were the Marquette Warriors. We're going to talk to Armando about this, but I am just stunned that this guy cannot control his emotions because, well, Big Dom isn't by me. See, Nick Saban didn't need Big Dom. You know, it's interesting. Nick Saban never fired a coach. That's what I was told the other day. I'm going to read you something. You know what I mean? I'm going to read you a little something from a friend of mine about coaches. I got these NFL guys that send me this stuff. I told you Vrabel called me the other day out of the blue or texted me the other day out of the blue. But I got this from an NFL coach, and he was talking about Ryan Day. Listen to this. Did you know this? Ryan Day has fired eight coaches over the last three years. Uh, This guy says, Woody, Bo, Joe Pa, Urban, even your boy Saban, Never fired, but maybe one guy in their career. Urban won, Saban never. Woody, Joe Pa, and Bo, all those guys would always talk about developing coaches, grinding them. Coaches would leave on their own because it was tough. That's right. They would go get head coaching jobs. Ryan Day has fired nine guys. Nick Saban fired none. Ryan Day is a little insecure guy. I've defended him, but my God. So back to Saban real quick. He's going to go into media, and he's going to be very good. He opened up talking about the state of college football. He said, if my voice can bring some meaningful change, then I want to help any way that I can because I love the players. I love college football. What we have now is not college football. Not college football as we know it. You hear someone use the word student-athlete, that doesn't exist. Wow. That's pretty strong. I think the consequences of this could come down the road when some of these guys, this is so true, get 28 or 29 years old and maybe didn't prepare themselves for when they can't play football anymore, which is what you should do when you go to college. Now. I was talking to Tom Izzo the other day. I talked to a lot of people. Very popular man. Talking to Tom Izzo, he made an unbelievable point. He said, we're giving all these 18-year-olds money. And that's great. Got to, you know, I don't think he does. How many child stars get arrested, have problems, that had everything at a young age? A lot. I am hoping that Saban is wrong. I'm hoping that at 28, 29 years old, the vast majority of players are good. But I don't know that to be true. Saban would know more than me whether or not the role of student-athlete is something that doesn't exist. I will tell you this. Uh, My son coaches at Illinois State, and I know it exists there. It may not exist at Alabama. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't. It may just be a factory. You may take everything online, get your work done, Have someone do it for you. Get a girlfriend to come over, boyfriend, whatever. It may not exist in Alabama, but I'll tell you this, it exists at Illinois State. And I'm pretty sure in talking to trainers and stuff at Purdue, it exists at Purdue. Now, maybe Nick Saban told on himself, or maybe Nick Saban told on a complete and total industry. I don't know. But I do know this. Nick Saban, if he truly wants to be a voice, tell us what college football is right now. Lay it out for us. 
Tell us what you think college football should be. Lay it out for us. See, so many of these guys get a pass. Nick Saban's going to get a pass for saying what he said here. Like he's some rebel letting us know. Well, he's not. Nick, somebody should follow up. All right, Nick, what is college football right now? How much did you have to pay? How much did Milrow want? Because I was told Milrow and others came into his office demanding money with agents, and that's when he quit. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I have no idea. I've been told that by very reliable sources, but lay it out for us. Tell us. Let us know if you're going to be a voice or you're going to get a pass and you know you're going to get a pass, you're going to get called outspoken by saying this gibberish. You are. No one except for me is going to call you out, but I coached for 25 years. I want to know. See, to me, college football is better than it's ever been. It's more fun. I can gamble on it. I don't give a damn whether anybody goes to class. You want the truth? I give a damn if half of these guys end up broke. I don't care what they are when they're 28 or 29. It's like, I don't care what they are now. You guys get all caught up in 18 to 23-year-olds and their feelings. I don't care. If somebody tells me, hey, look, so-and-so got arrested at Indiana and he's the quarterback, I'd say, okay, great. Who's the backup? I mean, I understand football players on college campus are stone idiots. Not all, some, most. Don't know. Enough. So what do I care? But college football is awesome. So I would love for Nick or anybody else that telling me that college football is no good, I would love to hear what's it supposed to be. What is it? What's bad? What's good? If not, shut up. I mean, I know we're all supposed to genuflect to Nick Saban and his little championships. That's great. But if you're not going to tell us anything and you're just going to uh, mumbo, blah, 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 blah. Need that? How much you paying guys? What's the going rate? Uh, did that Beck kid with the Lam- Lamborghini? What's he doing? What made you quit? I mean, if you really want to, can you imagine if Nick Saban said, "Hey, Milrow and others came into my office, demanded this much money, and I told them to stick it." People might wake up, Nick. But you saying college football isn't what it is? It doesn't exist. I think the consequences could be when some of these guys are 28 and 29 years old. What do we care? I don't give a damn. If somebody said, hey, five years, uh, a guy that played so-and-so five years ago got arrested, I go, okay, great. He's an idiot. I'm probably a bad guy. Let's get back to Ricky Patino, the end of coaching. Rick Pitino was always a guy that I admired from afar. I never coached with him, never really spoke with him. When I worked at ESPN, he would text me back. Now that I don't, he doesn't. I get that. I ain't mad about it. It's the way the world works. But the fact of the matter is, Ricky Pitino used to be a hard ass. Ricky Pitino used to be a guy that, you know what, wasn't afraid of players. Ricky Pitino the other day went off on his players. Most miserable experience that I have had. I don't like Ricky Patino sounded like Rick Patino to me. But guess what he did? He did what every sniveling little coach does these days. He walked back those comments. He walked back those comments because I'm sure his players were upset. I'm sure his little entire fellas, his guys, 
walked around moping the next day. You like me. You don't like me. Yeah, well, tough. Here's Rick Pitino, sadly, sadly walking it back. And I'm really, really proud to have them, but I totally apologize to them for doing that. It was no intent. I was very calm, very collected, and uh, I wasn't ripping them. That wasn't my intent. But words matter. Words matter. I, I watch. I watch a lot of politics, and I see what these politicians say about each other, and I cringe, absolutely cringe, and say, "Thank God I'm a basketball coach." So uh, I just want to briefly say, uh, my guys are the most important thing. My fam, uh, my family. And my players, outside of breathing air, they're the most important thing in my life. That's why I'm still coaching today. Uh, they are the air that I breathe. And I love them dearly. I would never want to embarrass them or hurt them. Uh, a couple of them certainly were. But they went out yesterday and had the best practice of the year. So um, I'm real proud of that. I told you that was going to happen. Not the apology. I'm shocked at this. My family, oh, really? Lots of going on says maybe it wasn't that important. But anyway, I digress. I told you they were going to have a great practice. They were going to play great. I didn't see this apology coming. And some of my players were hurt. Coach, you said you, you, you said that you were. You, 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 you. I'm going to try to send, and hopefully these guys can download it by the end of the show, Bob Knight coaching Steve Alford. Bob Knight took Steve Alford as a, you know, a scrawny Indiana kid, and next thing you know, they win a national championship. But I'm going to say, I'm gonna, I don't know if these guys can get it done. I mean, I don't, I don't know how it all works back with Dylan and Nick. I know they're the best in the business. I ain't apologizing to you clowns for ripping your ass, by the way. I'm not Patino. You guys didn't have that Patino audio ready. Screw you guys. I ain't going back on it. Uh-uh. Now, this is old school. Dan Dockage, Bob Knight, you clowns. <laughs> and I'm not prefacing it by saying I love you guys either. Uh-uh. Screw you. You didn't have the Patino stuff ready. 6 a.m. tomorrow morning, I'll meet you in the damn gym. (laughs) I'm coming to New York to rip some ass. (laughs) I'm sorry. I know, Nick and Nick, you got sad by that, and I'm so sorry. What the fuck? I mean, honest to God. Uh Uh-oh, Nick says he's entering the transfer portal. Hey, 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 get Slappy Johnny on the phone. Double his NIL money. (laughs) <laughs> Where's Joey Bag of Donuts, Susie Rotten Crotch? Get them all in here. We need hookers, blow, and money. We got to keep Nick here. That's real college football. Come on. You know that's what it's real. That's real. We got to keep Nick. He says he's entering the portal. Can't have it. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. All right, we come back. Armando is going to join us. The death of coaching. The death of coaching. You know what? When Rick Patino is apologizing to players, bum, 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 we play taps. We'll be right back. 
Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. There once was a man named Armando, Armando, Mondo, Mondo. Hello, my friend. How are you? Thank you for serenading me this morning, Dan. I truly, you know, it's the stuff of dreams when I have a big <laughs> person such as yourself and big, I mean, celebrity serenading me on a Friday morning. It's, um, it's quite nightmarish. Yes, you can say it when I have a big, fat, bald guy serenading me in the morning. I want to go back to bed, pull the covers over my head, and dream that it never happened. Hey, Dallas Cowboys always in the news. Does Saquon Barkley end up there? Is that a possibility? And would that be a good thing for the Cowboys and Barkley? The, bar, the, the Cowboys are going to be in the market for a running back. We know this. Uh, they're likely moving on from Tony Pollard. Um, let me throw in – and Saquon Barkley, obviously, is, is uh, a very obvious and, I think, attractive possibility because not only does it improve your team, it diminishes a division rival. Let me throw another name at you. Uh, how about Derrick Henry? Because Derrick Henry is also going to be an unrestricted free agent. And the Cowboys have red zone problems. And Derrick Henry's pretty good in the red zone. Uh, he is the, you know, the red zone rep recipe for touchdowns. So he's a guy that I would say also enters into the conversation. You know, Derrick Henry um, and, t and a good tight end, those kind of guys, they make it easier for a guy like Prescott, right? I mean, they take a lot of heat off a quarterback, as you said, particularly in the red zone. Absolutely. And I do believe that Dalton Schultz is uh, available again. So, and the, Dolph the Dolphins, the Cowboys moved on from him uh, what was it last year or the year before? So, you know, look, tight ends are, are an issue because most of them are too fast for linebackers to cover. And most of them are too big for safeties to cover. So what are you going to do with them? There's a reason why the great Super Bowl teams of the recent past, including the New England Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs, they got some pretty good tight ends, and they also are a red zone solution. 
You know, the interesting, well, I'm here in Indianapolis. We got a young quarterback, and I keep, you know, hoping anyway that, you know, a great tight end, maybe Brock Bowers, whatever is available, because it just seems to me, and you mentioned New England, people forget Belichick really kind of started this thing, right, with Gronkowski and Hernandez? Yeah, I mean, there was a there was that year where everybody's going, wait a second, who are your receivers? You got no receiver talent. And all of a sudden, Gronk and, and you know, Aaron Hernandez came out of nowhere, and they were monsters. Um, it, it, was, uh, it was pretty impressive, not only the fact that those guys showed up so quickly, but the fact that the coaches recognized it so quickly and kind of shifted the offense to have the double tight ends and the, you know, Hernandez more as a, an H-back type. It, it was it, it was an impressive time, and you're absolutely right. The Patriots showed people that you can do major damage with that kind of situation. Hey, Armando, a lot of coaches hired. All right, People seem to point to Harbaugh as the guy who's going to make the biggest difference on his team. Two questions. One, are you buying that? And two, if you are or if you aren't, what other coach or coaches do you think are going to make a big difference in their operation? Yeah, I, I, I buy it, and the reason I buy it is it's the full package. So he has experience both, you know, in college and people shouldn't forget he is a Super Bowl coach. He did take the San Francisco 49ers to the Super Bowl with, you know, middling quarterback play. And so uh, he's done that. He's played quarterback. He knows what it takes to have a good offense. The NFL is mostly about offense now. Uh, he likes a physical team. That's important in the playoffs and in December. And, oh, by the way, because of the fact that he has, uh, you know, experience and, you know, so-called pelts on the, on the wall, Justin Herbert is going to buy in. He understands, he being Harbaugh, understands what Justin Herbert's plight has been the past few years, and he's going to do everything that he can to fix that plight. And, you know, when you have Justin Herbert as your your little clay um, mold and you can kind of move him whichever direction you want, and the guy happens to be six foot six with a with a howitzer for an arm, and having proven that he can play in the NFL, you can do a whole lot worse. Let, let's put it that way. So I really like the, the Chargers, and I'm sure that he, is, he Harbaugh, again, is not going to make some stupid uh, rely on the analytics blindly mistakes like go for it on uh, third and fourth and one or fourth and two from your own 18-yard line like Brandon Staley once upon a time did. All right, who else? Is there like Dan Quinn? Do you think any of these guys other than Harbaugh are going to have an immediate impact? It's a hard call, isn't it? That's why I asked you. I looked at your face. No, it and is you a went, hard call, but here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, people think that the first year, a first year, it used to be that being a first year head coach was, was a struggle and it was the hardest thing to do. And I would say to you that it's often the easiest year that a head coach will have if he has experience. And I say that because obviously you're moving into a situation where 
expectations are low. So whatever you do is going to look like you, you've, you've improved the thing or you're moving in that direction. Secondly, um, we have a history of fixing what is wrong and people can identify immediately what is wrong. It's keeping that fix in place that often is the problem. You look at what the New York Giants did with Brian Dayball their first year. They made the playoffs improbably in his first year. And then last year they sunk back because obviously the schedule is a little bit harder. And, you know, now you've got major issues to attend to. Um, Mike McDaniel, his first year, went to the playoffs. There is there is history where where teams go from not so good to pretty darn good. Bill Belichick had a history of doing that all the time. I think one year the Jets were one in fifteen. The next year they were nine and seven under uh, under under Parcells after going one in fifteen with Rich Kotite. So. Uh, yeah, it, it can definitely happen. Who it will happen with, um, it would help if they had a quarterback. And a lot of these teams that have new head coaches don't have proven quarterbacks. Carolina doesn't. Atlanta doesn't. Washington doesn't. Um, Seattle does. So we'll see. Yeah, it all comes down to that. What's, I got to ask you the obligatory question because this every time I turn a TV on, it's no longer Mike McCarthy getting fired. It's what's going to happen with Justin Fields. If you were Ryan Poles with the Bears, what would you do with Justin Fields? Justin. Gone. <laughs> Woo! My, my friend, it has been a nice, nice relationship that you and I have had. I loved you until I didn't love you. And right now, I don't love you as much as Caleb Williams. Uh, so that's what I would do. I would trade Justin Fields. I don't believe that the Bears are going to get anywhere close to what they hope that they can get for him. They're not definitely going to get any sort of equal value. They gave up a first-round draft pick to, to select him. They're not getting one back. Uh, I would say maybe a third is the best that they can do and – maybe even a conditional third at that. I'm, I'm not sure that Justin, the Justin Fields market will be as huge as everybody expects. Um, Pittsburgh is in there. Atlanta is in there. Uh, those are the teams, you know, the Steelers like Justin Fields coming out. And so those are the teams that are likelies, but I'm not sure that it's a it's a definite because also the Steelers don't have a a history of going yes let's go all in and trade away draft right. reserves to 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 gamble on a guy who's unproven that's not what the Steelers have done traditionally. You know it's kind of funny it, it, quarterbacks get judged awfully quick. Like, is Kenny Pickett a guy or isn't he a guy? Don't you got to figure that out a little bit? I mean, it's the same thing with the Bears. You got a you got a guy you're trying to figure out. I, I don't know. Is Kenny Pickett a guy? Is he not a guy? I mean, seems like you got to know that. Well, uh, you know they they intend to know that, and that's why I think that the Steelers and Justin Fields, while uh, you know, uh, 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 of distant possibility because of what the Steelers showed 
their their like for Justin Fields during the draft process is not necessarily a certainty. In fact, it's far from a certainty. Um, they do have Kenny Pickett. There's nothing wrong with competition. The Steelers want competition for Kenny Pickett. If Kenny Pickett is, like you said, the guy, he should win the competition. But that's part of being the guy. You know, uh, let, let's put it, let me put it to you this way. In, in the last two years, the quarterback who was in this year's Super Bowl for the San Francisco 49ers, he won a quarterback competition. And by the way, the dude came from like the seventh round, the last pick of the seventh round, all the way to the finish line to win it. So he did like a secretariat and he passed Trey Lance and he passed Sam Darnold and he passed Jimmy Garoppolo. And he's, he was in the Super Bowl last I saw and gave his team the lead three times in the fourth quarter and once in overtime. He did it through competition. Competition is a good thing. So Kenny Pickett yes. is, is going to feel some competition in training camp, whether that's from Mason Rudolph or Ryan Tannehill or, you know, Justin Fields in probably. That's right. See, it drives me nuts. Um, so many times we treat these little quarterbacks, well, you can't, you can't affect them. You can't hurt their confidence. You can't have confidence. It drives me nuts. You're exactly right. Put them together, see who's the best, and let's go. Let's go. Right. Yeah. You know, that conversation comes up a lot with, like, I think more defensive coaches than offensive coaches because offensive coaches have this feel for their quarterbacks and sometimes it's too much of an emotional feel. Defensive coaches are, all right, you're, you're going, let's go. Uh, but there is there is a happy medium uh, on quarterback confidence. Look, competition doesn't hurt anyone's confidence unless they're not good enough, in which case it doesn't matter because you're just not good enough. I don't care whether you have confidence or not. Now, That's right. The way you I, hurt, it's my confidence. Right. It's my confidence in you. I'm the coach. I want to be confident in you. Right. The way a coach hurts a quarterback's confidence is making a decision with him and then going with the push-pull, start-stop thing. Whereas you make a decision with a guy, you better stick with that decision. You don't put him in, in as your starter, especially if he's young, and then pull him if he struggles for two games. Or pull him at the end of a game if it's not going right to put in a more experienced player. That is a confidence killer. But competition, you know, outside of games, hey, man, it's the NFL. Win. Oh, my God. Are you preaching to the choir? In Indianapolis, we care about draft choices, relationships, and cap space. And it drives me nuts because I'm like, you got 17 games. Win the freaking game. All right, I got to ask you. Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni's a guy that everybody loved, 11-2, and two, whatever. Now everybody hates. He can't get along on the sidelines without Big Fat Dom. Nick Sirianni seems to me to be the most interesting hot seat guy coming up this year. 
Yeah, uh, him and Mike McCarthy. Why? Always because McCarthy. there's a huge looming shadow over both of those guys. And in, in fact, over much of the NFL where they've got uncertain, quarter, uh, uncertain coaching situations named Bill Belichick. And I think that Belichick was primed to go to the Dallas Cowboys if Jerry Jones, the owner and general manager, had pushed the ejection button on Mike McCarthy. He didn't. McCarthy stays. He better win the playoffs next year. He better have success or he's probably gone. Forget everything that happens to the Dallas Cowboys in the regular season. If they get in the playoffs, and they must, then he better have success. The same thing with Sirianni. Sirianni, he's done everything that he can to save himself so far. And what is that? You fired your defensive coach during the season. You fired the defensive coordinator at the end of the season. You 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 fired your brand new offensive coordinator. You hired a new one. And it's they're not you're not running your system anymore. You're not calling the plays anymore. So there is nothing else. I mean, he's got no one else to turn to. <clears throat> he's in the uh Ron Rivera mode where he fired everybody and ultimately he it's like the Will Smith in in Fresh Prince. He looks around at the end of the series going, There's nobody else. And when you're looking like that. The only person that can get fired next is you. And Nick Sirianni is that guy right now in that empty room. That's a great breakdown, actually. That's an absolute perfect breakdown. All right, you going to the Combine? What are you doing? I am going to the Combine. And then I'm coming over for dinner every night. I was going to say, you let me know and I'll be happy. My wife and I will take you out. We'll have you over. You name it. You're Armando. We got to take care of you. (laughs) <laughs> I appreciate you, my brother. You got it. Thanks, my friend. That's right, the great Armando Segura. If he says it, it's true, and that was a great breakdown of Nick Sirianni. No, it really was. You fire everybody, and away you go. Shaka Smart, the head coach of the Marquette, used to be Warriors, and when I was a kid, I loved the Marquette Warriors. Why? Because we were the same Peter and Paul Warriors, and we had the same colors. And Bo Ellis designed uniforms where Marquette's uniforms were untucked. So what did I do? I played all of my high school games with an untucked uniform. I play everything with an untucked uniform because of Marquette. Marquette's big in my life. I loved Marquette against Notre Dame, Marquette against DePaul. It was great. Shaka's got him rolling. I want to find out something about Shaka that I've never asked him. I cannot wait to ask this question. My wife asked me to ask it, so I'm going to ask it. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Hey. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, I've told you as I get older, I root for guys that I know. And I've known Shaka Smart a long time, and I root for guys as opposed to teams. I just root for guys. And I've always rooted for Shaka. Shaka, my wife, is the all-time leading winner at Bowling Green Softball and Syracuse Softball. She was dumb enough to quit and marry me and move here. She loves you. I mean, she saw back in the day when you took um, – VCU, the Final Four, saw an interview with you. And she saw one the other day. And she's, I told her today I'm having you on. And she says, will you please ask him how he got his name Shaka? She go, she's like, I've followed this guy. I've read about him. I've seen interviews. And I've never seen anybody ask him where his name came from. So I am asking you as a favor to my wife. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's interesting because uh, I was raised by a single mom. My dad was never a particularly positive influence in my life. He was kind of in and out of my life and uh, never, uh, you know, much of a positive father figure. But he did give me my name, which is, you know, probably the best thing he ever did for me. Um, Shaka, the guy I'm named after, was a man in Southern Africa in the 1800s that United hundreds of thousands of people when there was a lot of colonialism going on and to uh, bring a bunch of people together around an ethnicity called Zulu. So your wife, your wife may have seen the movie in the 80s, Shaka Zulu. That's who I'm named after. I'm writing that down and we're going to watch it because I'm telling you, man, I'm like, uh, my wife's like, I, I just think this guy is the best. Like she, she, She's a coach's coach, right? She's critical, all that stuff. And she's like, this dude is unbelievable. So I'm writing it down, Shaka Zulu. We're going to watch it. I swear to God, we'll have it watched by the end of the week, uh, by this time next right, you, week. And, you know. You know, Coach, uh, a lot of times people have watched that movie and they, they hadn't met me. And then when they meet me, they're kind of underwhelmed because compared to the real Shaka, <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty meek. But I do my best to live up to the name. You know what? It's hard to live up to movies, man. Let me just tell you that. It's hard to live up to movies, right? <laughs> you know. Hey, uh, Marquette, you you were on when you moved over from Marquette. I, I, I've said this, and you can tell me I'm wrong. I understand the easiest thing to do is say, ah, shock is a good fit, whatever. Sometimes bad luck factors into coaching where you're somewhere. And sometimes good luck factors into coaching. And that can be injury. That can be a number of things, correct? Absolutely. And I think without having coached, you can't fully understand that because uh, – and, and you get this, you know, from your long career. 
sometimes you'll win games or you'll have a, a very successful season and you'll realize that, wow, we were fortunate that this happened with this guy or that that guy did this or that this guy stuck around or even fortunate that someone left. You know, sometimes right. there's addition by subtraction. Right. Um, but then the opposite can occur as well, where, you know, a season doesn't go your way. Or, you know, maybe you had a bunch of games where, you know, whether it's calls or unlucky bounces. But at the end of the day, I would say most fans and most media, not all, uh, tend to simplify and generalize. And so if your record's 15 and 15, then, you know, you didn't have a very good season and, and, and you didn't do a very good job as a coach. I've always said this. I've always said Bill Parcells is you are what your record says you are is complete bullshit. I've always said that. I mean, it just, it just is. I, I, and I know I can't really quantify that, but I, I've always thought that based and, – and what you said is absolutely kind of my point about that. Well, you know what's fascinating is there's this back and forth between the results and the process. And it's funny because coaches, of course, are obsessed with the, pro- the results because the results are what gets them hired or fired. Um, and that's what they're evaluated on. Um, but I think also most coaches understand you're not going to get the right results without the right process. So sometimes with quotes like that, I would guess if you and I sat down with Bill Parcells, he would probably agree with us that, hey, the process <laughs> is required to get you there. And sometimes you might follow the same process in two different years and get two different results. You know, I, I was just saying before you came on, I, I grew up in uh, Gary, Indiana, and I wasn't an Indiana basketball fan. I was a Marquette, DePaul, Notre Dame. Like those were the games that I couldn't wait to watch. You know, Al McGuire, I could go, I could name, Bo Ellis and I used to go to AAU events and he was like my idol because he got the, the shirt untucked. I mean, you know the history, you know, the shirt untucked. And we used to bet on AAU games. He would make the line. You know, you're sitting there, you're bored for, you know, he's like, all right, you know, he's like, all right, this team plus three. Okay, okay, we'll bet a buck. You know what I mean? Marquette has always been a great, in my opinion, basketball spot. Mar- Milwaukee has always been a great basketball spot. Wisconsin has always been a great basketball spot. Why? What's the background here? Well, I think for Marquette, there's just an incredible passion for basketball going back to Al McGuire. You know, it's interesting you mentioned Bo. We play on Sunday at home against Xavier, and every year we honor a different Marquette team. So on Sunday we're honoring Bo's freshman year, 1974, team that went to the national championship game and lost to NC State. And there's this iconic quote from Bo after the game. He said, we'll be back. You know, it'll be a different venue, different opponent, but we will be back. And then, of course, his senior year, 1977, was Marquette's lone national championship. And obviously that's been a long time, but I think there's a big difference between one and zero. You know, if you've done it once, I think those programs, um, certainly they get the taste of it and they want to go do it again. But, but Marquette, your university, I, I, I remember, you know, I remember going there and it was, 
you know, I mean, it was right in the middle of the city. And I, I you know, it, but the university has made a huge commitment to not only basketball practice facility and that, but the university itself, right? Like, a, like Akron did that, right? They closed off the campus, made it yeah. more of a campus environment, correct? It's a great place to go to school. It's a really neat place. And I'll tell you, and you know this from your career, uh, I've worked for six different university presidents. And the one that's been here for the last 10 years, Dr. Mike Lovell, he makes my job so much better. I mean, he's the best I've ever been around. And as you know, like those guys, they've got a lot bigger fish to fry than sports. But they also, the good ones, recognize that sports in a lot of ways are the front porch of the university and impact a lot of people at the university. So uh, that's one thing right now that makes Marquette an incredibly special place is him. I'm going to talk about your team in a minute, but VCU, no football. Texas, massive football. Marquette, no football. A lot of coaches think, hey, I use football in recruiting, that kind of thing. Can you tell people the difference? Yeah, huge difference. I Actually, in addition to Texas, I was an assistant coach at Florida and Clemson. Right. Um, and I went to That's Kenyon right. College about 45 minutes away from Columbus so at that time, I was, you know, pretty actively following Ohio State's football program. So I feel like uh, I, I, I've been at a lot of football schools. And I, I think the biggest difference is football is going to dominate if, if you have it at a high level. Um, as a basketball program that can help you or hurt you in different situations, I really appreciate the fact that here, for example, when we have our homecoming, which is called National Marquette Day. It's in February for a basketball game. And I just, I don't take that for granted. I mean, as a basketball coach, it's pretty special um, that, that people, you know, have that type of interest 365 days a year. And I would say most of the Big East schools have that in common. And that's one thing that separates our league. Yeah, it really does. You know, I watched your team earlier this year. And I, I said on the air, I never seen. I think it was Kansas you dismantled in uh, in Maui. I think. I think it was Kansas. Was it Kansas? And yes. I, you got to understand at Indiana when we were really good. When I was an assistant, we could never beat Kansas. Like Calbert Cheney, we couldn't. We couldn't beat Roy. So whenever I see somebody beat Kansas, I'm like, they're the best team in the country. Your team's won nine out of ten. People are talking about Tyler Kolick. So I would like you, if you don't mind, Kolick, 16. I, I watch him. He reminds me of Stockton. Reminds me of guys. How good is this kid? He's really good, Coach. Uh, he has a poise about him that is unlike any guard that I've ever coached. Uh, he's always a step ahead on the offensive end. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, his passing is, is phenomenal, but he actually is scoring the ball better and better. So, you know, what's fascinating is we'll play a game like the other night we played DePaul and they helped a lot. So he's moving that ball around and he had 18 assists, and just phenomenal passing. He only shot twice. And then we'll play some of these other teams where it's like no help at all. They, and we're not letting this guy get assists. Um, and he's had some really big scoring games. He had 27 twice, over 30 uh, a couple times. So he's, he's understanding, okay, this is what the defense gives me. I'm going to take it. 
in your league, you know, um, there are a ton of different styles, right? And, and how important, you know, Cam Jones is really good. I mean, I watch that kid. I'm like, hell, I mean, Jesus. I mean, how important – let me, let me back up. When you're recruiting, let's just say you had a bare team. You, you, you had to start from scratch. And everybody else had their current team. What's the first position you would look for to win the Big East? Well, for me, actually, the first position I would look for is a point center, um, which we actually have right now, a guy named Oso Iguodaro. Yes. Um, yes. Because when you have someone at that spot that can handle and pass the ball, obviously shooting is nice and everybody loves shooting bigs, but the ball handling and the passing and the decision-making, it just allows you to do so much more. And typically those guys, if they have those traits on offense – then they also have some defensive versatility as well, which Oso has. So he's just a heck of a chess piece for us. So I would say if I was starting a team, I, I, I would want a guy like that. Here's why I asked you that, because bas- I want to illustrate how basketball has changed. Like Indiana State got in the top 25 with a point center. Some kid that looks like a manager with his glasses and all this. Yeah. I, that's my point. Like a lot of guys, of course, they would say, you know, back in my day, I want a seven-footer, right? Back, you know, maybe five years ago, I want a point guard. But your illustration, and I knew Oso was that kind of player, it's just an example. Basketball is not what people think basketball used to be. It's evolved so much, and a lot of the terminology that we still use is kind of out of date. I mean, Oso's probably anything but a center. Uh, He is our biggest guy out there. Um, You know, these days, a lot of players, and I'm not saying this is Oso, but a lot of players can be – uh, offended, you know, when you call them a certain position. Uh, but you just you want guys that can do a lot of different things out there so that you can be uh, multiple, as they say in football, with what you do and harder to prepare for. Shaka, that's not new. Back in 1992, Alan Henderson, who played 15 years, his mother told me, please don't introduce Alan as a center. He needs to be a forward. So we had this kid, Matt Nover, whose parents didn't care, right? Matt's the center. Alan, you're the forward, right? I mean, that's not new to, to parents anyway. Hey, I, I actually grew up as a fan of those teams because I'm from okay. Madison, Wisconsin. And right. when, I was a, when I was a young kid, Wisconsin wasn't very good in basketball. Obviously, they've gotten really, really good. But if you, you remember when – they went to the tournament in about 93 or 94, I think it was. That was their first time going in like 50 years. And so when I was a kid, I was like, man, I'm not rooting for them. They're not very good. So I was a Calvert Cheney <laughs> fan. I was a Damon Bailey fan. Alan Henderson, absolutely. Now, I love the Fab Five, too. So <laughs> I took all the teams that right. were really good. <laughs> I tell people, this is how Wisconsin has grown. I was there 16 years. We were 31-1 and against Wisconsin. And I don't think Indiana has beaten Wisconsin in the Kohl Center since the year it opened. How come, how come Indiana and Marquette have really never played? I was just, that just came to my head. What, get, get, what do... Man, I would love it. If, I tell you what, if you, really? get us a home, if you can get us a home and home, well, I would sign up for that today. In fact, we'll come there first. It's actually, Coach, it's funny you bring it up. It's one of the few great venues that I've never been in. 
I, I would love to go play a game there now. Probably wouldn't feel that way when the game was going on, but uh, I've watched a million games at Indiana on TV, but I've never been there. I got the AD's number. He's getting a text right after this show. He is. I mean, he's a was a manager for us when I played. And I just, you know, it just hit me. Like, we had a series with DePaul back after Calbert and those guys left. I always played Notre Dame for years, but never Marquette. And I don't think there's, other than the NCAA tournaments with Earl Tatum and those guys back in 76, I don't ever remember playing against Marquette. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting you bring, you keep bringing up, you know, interesting stuff. <laughs> that was pro- probably the best Marquette team ever was 1976. And unfortunately yeah. they ran into the Hoosiers and it just, it illustrates, you know, how the NCAA tournament works. It's a lot of times about, you know, where you end up and your pairings and who you, who you play against. But that was a team here. I think they lost two games total that everyone says had the most talent and was the best team of all time. You know, it's funny. Coach Knight said that to me. I, we would we would talk about history and stuff. We'd go out and have lunch or dinner, and and he said the two teams that were better than any, one was Alabama, and I remember the, both of these games against one against Mark. One was Marquette. Number one was Marquette, and number two was Alabama with a center named Leon Douglas who just destroyed everybody. It, you know, it, it's it's amazing. Do your players do? You know, people always bitch about players. All right, they don't understand, blah, 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 blah. Do your players understand how special it is to play at a school like Marquette in a league like the Big East where football is exploding all around them and basketball is the focus? Do they, do they appreciate that? I think they understand it experientially. Uh, in other words, they enjoy the experience and they, they kind of feel like, wow, this is different. This is great, maybe compared to – AAU teammates or friends that are at other places, but I don't think they have the same perspective that you and I might have, and they won't have that until they're old and gray, old and gray. Because yeah, it is kind of unique. It's very unique. It's incredibly it? unique. To be, to be a basketball player at one of these type of schools, I mean, <laughs> it's a good situation, and I'm not saying it's not at other places, but – it is, you know, you're you're really, really um, treated so well by the community and adored by the community, and there's a there's an incredible support level. Last thing before I let you go, you know, college basketball, football, everything's changing. You know, Big Ten now has USC and UCLA and you know, Washington and Oregon. It does the the Big East. I feel like, and tell me I'm wrong. I don't. You don't even have to deal with any of that, do you? You are who you are in the basketball space, and the tournament's always going to be there, or am I wrong about that? Well, I think for right now, you're right, but I think there are some threats to the future. What for are example, they? Well, you know, if the, if the power conferences, power football conferences, ever got together and they said, hey, this NCAA tournament is a – is a, is a big money maker. It's a big driver. And we don't like the fact that the big East gets so many teams in the NCAA tournament, or we don't, we don't want Indiana state, you know, coming in and, and upsetting one of our teams. Then if, if they really, really wanted to, they could create a system because of the power they have that 
excludes us or at least minimizes us. Um, and then the other big threat is if we do go to some type of revenue sharing, which I'm not saying is right or wrong, but if it does occur um, and it's directly based on TV money, you know, we just can't be competitive in that way. Now, we do have these schools in the Big East do have a lot of people behind them that, you know, would support the program financially, but there's no substitute for that actual TV money. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. And the TV money is driven by the football contracts. Absolutely. Yeah, because you have good basketball contracts. Yeah, you have really good basketball contracts, right, with TV money. But the football is just monumental now, particularly with the expansion of the college football playoff. Yes, I mean, it's it's incomparable to basketball. Right. And it's one of the things that's, you know, a lot of these football coaches are arrogant. And, uh, you know, we, we all know the type. Uh, but, you know, part of what makes them that way is, I mean, they know. I mean, football is – and I learned this at Texas. It's like, yeah, these other sports, it's nice. But at the end of the day, like at those <laughs> programs, at Texas and Ohio State, of Florida, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's everything financially. Kelvin Sampson told me one time, he goes, man, I tell you what, Oklahoma's the best job ever. No one gives a shit until after the national championship in football – and that's like a month. And then in Indiana, you get 17,000 to play Chicago State on a Sunday, and everybody's up in arms if you don't win by 80. You know, it's just different. It's just different. Yeah. But there's, there's definitely pros and cons yeah. of both. Shock, it's great talking to you. I am sending a text that Marquette will come to Indiana. Screw that. Indiana should have to come to Marquette first. You got the program. Indiana can't win a game. And you're sitting here with 20 wins. On. Stop it. They're coming to your place I first. Hey, if you can get that done, then then uh, we we gotta have we gotta have you at the game. Oh, I would be there. I'd go to Marquette game no matter. I'd go. You kidding me? I double dribbled right in front of Walter Downing in 1985. They didn't call it. I laid it in. We won the game. I got history with Marquette, Shaka. <laughs> well, I really appreciate. It's uh, always good to be on with you. And, thanks, uh, my friend. Thanks for everything you do. Thank you so much. Thanks for clearing all that up about your name and everything else. Thanks, Shock. Appreciate you, man. You got it. Take care. Telling you, that's best basketball coach among the best. I hate to say somebody's the best, but he's among the best basketball coaches in the country. In football and basketball, it's really different. It's incredibly, incredibly different. You know, I got a couple things. We got, you know, college basketball, college football. There's some funny things going on. Everybody wants a piece of the pie, right? Mike Florio is saying he's demanding. College football players hold out from the new college football video game. Really? Here's what Florio says. 600 bucks is what players are getting. EA is banking on players viewing it as free money without realizing how badly EA needs enough of them to accept the payment for the game to be viable. EA has already announced that the game is coming. be very hard to pull the plug now. Kids, they need you more than you need them. And your rights are worth more than 600 each. EA has a market capitalization as of this month of more than $37 billion. It has budgeted a mere $6.6 million to gobble up the bulk of players' NIL rights. That's Mike Florio. All right. We stand with the College Football Players Association. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> 
Uh, tell them no effing way. Spread the word. Hold together. They hope to divide and conquer by getting enough of you to take the cash in a free game without thinking twice. If enough of you stop and think, eventually come together, you'll get something far closer to what you deserve. Well, what do you deserve? Yeah, I've always said this about college athletes, and you guys can say that I'm wrong, but I've always said this. Um, Tyler Hansbro was an All-American. Tyler Hansbro was the number one attraction in college basketball at North Carolina a few years ago. I went to the Final Four, Glendale, Arizona. North Carolina was in it a couple years after Hansbro was out. I saw a ton of Tyler Hansbro jerseys. North Carolina on the front. Tyler Hansbro went to the Pacers. Tyler Hansbro was what we call an I-69 All-American, meaning Indy's here, Fort Wayne, the G League's up here on a and I-69 connects them. I didn't see one, not one, Fort Wayne Mad Ants, Tyler Hansbro jersey. I went to a game. I was up there. I said, I'll go to a game. Didn't see one, none. See, the name on the front matters. So all these guys can say players, and, and I'm not saying that Florio's wrong. Players certainly should get more. They should get 1000 apiece. It should be a round number. Spend some money. What are you doing, EA Sports? 1000 looks a lot better than 600 600 you go through, some of these idiots go through at a club at a night. 1000s a little better. But I also got to say, man, what's the school worth? Like, I get it. You know what? Quarterback comes, quarterback goes, new quarterback, Alabama still wins, Oklahoma's still a power, Florida State's still a power, uh, Ohio State's still a power, and everybody wants in. I saw my friend Molly McGrath. Women need to be in this too. Really? Women are important in college football. No, they're not. I mean, I love Molly. She's a nice lady. But no, they're not. Women are important in college football. I'm sorry, they're not. You know I got friends, sideline reporters, one of the OGs of uh, the show, Allison Williams, but they're not important. They're just not. They're add-on. What's important are the players and the coaches. That's what's important. I mean, you get rid of Kirk Herbstreet, you put somebody else in there, who really cares? You get rid of Joe Clatt, I think his name is Clatt, whatever his name is, you get rid of him, you put somebody in there, who really cares? As long as the game is good. So, look, I get it, but damn, at what point do we put emphasis on the school and the game? Give them a thousand bucks a piece. If you don't want the money, shut the hell up and move it along. But we act like, see, guys say, well, schools are making money off the sweat of my back. No, they're not. They're not. I hate to say it, but what they are is making money off the sweat of guys like my back. Bob Knight's back. Isaiah Thomas is back. Steve Alford's back. Dane Fife's back. Jeff Newton's back. Jared Jeffrey's back. Guys that made the leagues great, that made the TV contracts worth something. There is not a player today, not one, not one, that has any impact on the current TV rights of the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Big E, you name it. They don't have any Im- sponsorships, none. Now, attendance, sure. You saw it last night in Bloomington. Caitlin Clark comes into Bloomington. Great attendance. Yes. Yes. But the TV contracts where the real money is, those contracts were based on what was done in these leagues in the past and on the size of the schools and the interests of the fans in the athletics programs of those schools. Not slap Dick Johnny, who's a point guard at freaking Indiana. Stop it. Just stop it. 
So all this emphasis on how important players are can kiss my backside. Stop it. You want another example of how stupid Joe Biden is, how dangerous Joe Biden is? This is a simple one. White House floor was left covered in blood after one of the 24 biting incidents involving Biden's dog. This is the second time we've heard this. It is. Second time we've heard this. Biden's dog bites 24 people, including one where blood was all over. That's how stupid and dangerous these people are. Like you say, well, that has nothing to do with anything. Of course it does. Of course it does. Little things mean a lot. And being an idiot in one area invariably leads to being an idiot in another area. Raise your hand if you haven't seen that. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is what you wait for. You want hot women? You want some funny stuff? I got Joe Kinsey coming up. Nightcaps. Nightcaps, morning caps on Outkick.com is as popular as me, and that's pretty damn popular in Joe Kinsey's neck. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You know, all you got to do is go to Outkick.com, see Nightcaps, and, uh, well, it'll put you to sleep with happy thoughts of very pretty women, very funny stuff, and it's every day. But, Joe, you just announced something. What is CNN trying to get rid of now? What are we doing? Dan, breaking news. CNN yesterday, is uh, they came out with this report that they're, they want you to rip out your plumbing. They want you to go with these toilets that are uh, going to save the climate. You're going to recycle your your crap. You're going to recycle your urine. CNN wants you to take out your indoor plumbing and and take a dump in a kitty litter box. Dan, this cannot stand. I will write the report today. Dan, I hope you join my calls in calling out these scumbags from CNN that they would never do anything like this. You know that. I know that. This cannot stand, Dan. We can't let these idiots win. Joe, is it ever going to – they want our stoves. They want my toilets. Hey, I can't go around as the mad crapper just crapping anywhere. I'm not doing it, Joe. I refuse. I will not do that. No, I'm with you. I will join that cause gladly. I'm in. Thanks, Dan. Like what – I mean, look. Uh, as a guy who goes to the bathroom like it's his job 10 to 15 to 25 times a day, I'm not having that. I will I will fight that. Let's go, screen cap! Let's go. Let's Joe! Do it. What do we got here, Joe? Who's up? Let's see what they picked this Uh-oh, week. Oh, wait a second. What we got? What we got? What we got? Oh, baby. Yeah. Well, good Who's choice. This? This is Natalie Decker. She's been around the racing game for, it feels like, about a decade now. 
but she had never gotten above like the ARCA series, Dan. That's like double A baseball. Then you go to Xfinity, that's triple A, then NASCAR. You get the idea. Natalie was down in ARCA. She was just kind of existing. Now they called her up to Xfinity, Dan, and she finished 18th at Xfinity. By the way, she got implants. She paid for them. I don't know who paid for them. Maybe she had an NIL deal, Dan, but she got implants. She's proud of them. She's racing in Xfinity. Guys are going nuts right now. Natalie Decker, name to remember in 2024. Uh, I refer to that as she re-racked. Well, I mean, I like that. I think we can go with that, too. She got her – yeah, she re-racked. That's a good way to put it, Dan. Yep. I like it. That's a yep. perfect way to put it. I got in a little trouble because on my radio show about five years ago, I asked if one of the news anchors had re-racked. She didn't mind. Her husband didn't mind. But ah, some women got mad. What are you going to do? It's the re-rack. It's, it's, it's business, Joe. It's business. It's good financial business. That's why Natalie Decker's where she's at. She's hot. She's racing. She uh, good for her. She finished 18th. I mean, hell, I couldn't finish 18th, but I mean, uh, no, 18th is 18th. Yeah. All right. Uh, let me see some Victoria here, Joe. Let me see a little Victoria, uh, have, Nick. And, oh boy. Oh boy. Victoria Versace uh, or whatever her name is. Oh, I think I know who this was. Uh, I think she is one that is representing uh, one of the energy drinks, like one of the hard energy drinks, Dan. You know, this is the time of year. Uh, NASCAR is debuting a lot of new rides, and there's one that's called Nasty Something, Dan. I don't know what – Nasty Some Drink. And she's representing that drink. You know, it's like the Monster Energy Girls. It's like the Hooters Girls. I love when brands bring out like a, a team of hot women to represent their brand. They get the attention. They get the attention of the internet. And Natalie is in that on that team. And good for her, Dan. Look at her. She's enjoying the tropics. She's like, look, let's drink some hard energy drinks on the beach. Let's have fun. Let's go snorkeling. Let's get wild. Joe, you said that so grandfatherly. Let's go snorkeling. Let's have fun. Awesome. I mean, it looks like that's what she's up to, Dan. That's all I have to say. It does. Uh, yep. Next. Next. Well, uh, I don't know. Like I don't know what to say because I want to buy that bikini for my wife. Well, I believe the brand is Alive Relax. I believe that's who was selling this one this week. Dan, I've always said, you know I'm a big props guy. I need I need these Instagram models to bring out props for their photos. This one spoke to me this week. I know that it probably speaks to everybody that's watching. Uh, I need more coconut uh, content, Dan. I'm going to say it right now. This wins the internet this week. Ladies, Get a coconut, cut it open, have a guy cut it open. I don't care who cuts it open. Drink from a coconut. Dan, I've watched a lot of these women go swim with the pigs in the Bahamas. Screw that. Get a coconut, cut it in your backyard, suck down the coconut water. I'm in on this. Uh, I didn't even notice the coconut. Huh. You're right. She's drinking props, out of a coconut. Man. I'm all huh. about the props. I'll be damned. Yeah, I think it's all about the re-rack. Olivia, uh, one of your favorites coming up here next. Who do we have? 
Well, I think it's the Dan Dockett show uh, producers who keep bringing Emily Elizabeth back. I mean, they are in love with Emily Elizabeth. She's a New York girl, by the way. I heard some of your staff is in New York. She's in New York. I don't know why she lives there, but she does. I guess she likes her tax dollars just being sucked up by the government of New York. But <laughs> Emily Elizabeth, she is uh, – Dan – She's getting married. I hate to break it to the guys out there, but she just got back from her bachelorette party. It wasn't as great as I thought, but I mean, whatever. She got. She's Wait a second. Married. Were you there, or did you just? Were you there? Or were you just uh, seeing the pictures? Dan, I'm a journalist. I have to research this stuff. I was watching her Instagram yeah. story. I saw that she had a bunch of balloons. She's in Turks, and uh, she was in a bikini. I mean, I have to watch this stuff. It's my job. So good yeah. for Emily Elizabeth. Yeah. Good for the guy that got her, by the way. That's a that's a great bikini, too. Holy cow. Yeah. My God. World, world I'm, gonna, I'm writing these down. I am going to go today bikini shopping for my wife, and that is on the list. Next. Next. What's the name on this one, Dan? I can't I can't remember. Alyssa Alyssa Sakalani. Sakalani? Alyssa. A L Y S S A Kulani. Alyssa Kulani. Rings a bell. Rings a bell. Not, not sure. I, I lose track at some points in the week. Uh, again, these women love Top Golf. I think Top Golf should just have a ladies of Top Golf. I honestly, that's probably what I should do is have an addition of screen caps that's just the ladies of, of Top Golf. They love it there. I never knew so many women love golf, Dan. Did you? I mean, have you seen the explosion no. thanks to page views, Spearneck? I mean, it is it is uh, just unbelievable how many women want to be involved in golf. They've seen the path that Paige has taken, and now they all want to emulate her. They all want the crown. This is just another one in a long list. I tell you what, man. Women do like golf, and I have always said this. Women in golf outfits are smoking freaking hot. I lived on a golf course and I'm like, geez, I know that woman. She don't look that good normally. Whoa. It's just the world we live in. Hey, bring a trailer. Right, Dan. They got the golf outfits right. Like women that wear like NFL jerseys, they look horrible. And if you talk to the Instagram models, they always complain about the NFL gear being garbage. They ought to hire the women that are designing all the stuff for golf. They're getting it right, just like you said. I agree. I agree. I, I'm telling you, and everybody understands it. Literally everybody in the world understands that women on golf courses in golf attire are smoking, and there's no question about it. All right, bring a trailer is next here, Joe. Bring a trailer. What are we bringing a trailer for? There you go. Uh, Looky look here. Oh, uh, Dan, you know, you are – I didn't realize we would end up talking vehicles. I'm not even that big of a vehicle guy, but I look at this as art, Dan. Look at this. I mean, a 1970 Ford Bronco, how did this thing not rust out? That's what I want to know. That's the real story here is how did this not get a, attacked by rust and look like a piece of junk? Beautiful piece here, the 1970 Ford Bronco. Uh, we also had a eight. We also had a '96 Ford Bronco this week, Dan. They're calling that the OJ Bronco. You know the design. So it was a big week for Ford Broncos on screen caps. 
When I was at Indiana in the mid nineties, um, that's the car. My that was my uh, dealer car. That was the car that they gave me to drive. Was a Ford Bronco. And when OJ was going, I actually had a red one. Uh, I had a red Bronco, almost exactly the same quality car. They brought it back. I loved the Bronco. I did. I, I the XL, yeah. everything about it. I liked it. I thought it was a great ride. Um, and that's a good looking car, but I cannot have nice things. Joe, this is a true story. I backed the other day, my car into my house, not once, but twice damaging my, uh, rear door. Did it twice. Sober as a judge. Don't mm-hmm. know why. Just did. Yeah. What are you I can't driving? have nice things, Joe. And that is a nice ride. Huh? What are you driving? Uh, what the hell is it called? Traverse, a Ford Traverse, okay. very nice car. And I just damaged the hell out of it and I'm not getting it fixed. I'm not dicking around with it. I'm just, you know what? I'm just driving it, Joe. I, I can't, I'm not yeah. doing it. I am not yeah, doing you work it. at home too much. You know what I'm saying? I know your schedule. I'm not happy. Joe, what's, right. uh, what's the weekend? There you go. What's the weekend right. for you? What do you got? Dan, I'm going to a golf show. Uh, the golf show here, they always serve a lot of beer. I love it. Get together with the boys here in Toledo. Get ready for the golf season. See if any of these courses need me to play 18. Good weather coming up next week, Dan. Hopefully you get out and play 18 next week. Uh, you said Toledo. Are you in Toledo? I thought you were in Dayton. Perrysburg, Dan. I'm right there by Bowling Green. Oh, yeah. I knew we that. Need to connect. I knew we need that. need to place. We need to play Stone Ridge, Dan. Oh, I was a member. I lived right on the eighth hole, right there on the tee box of Stone Ridge. I love Stone Ridge. You kidding me? That was a home course. It's big in Stone Ridge. See you, brother. That's the great Joe Kinsey screen caps live from Perrysburg, Ohio, right on the border. The lovely Lee Ross, uh, we actually own the house now, right across the border, exit three in Michigan. All right, couple of things to get to. I am reiterating what I said earlier today. Look, I understand that Jay Williams took a lot of guff because he said that, and I'm quoting here, you got to win championships to be a GOAT. Well, that's stupid, of course, because Larry Bird and others were great. Uh, But anyway, here's what Jay Williams had to say about his comments last weekend about Caitlin Clark not being the GOAT. He went all, I'm basketball guy, I can hoop, and you can't. Here's Jay Williams. So you stand, first of all, you're standing by your Caitlin Clark comment from well, we were talking about we were weekend. talking about greatest, and when I hear people talk about GOATs, right? For me, like, okay, I'm like, okay, you want to be a GOAT? Like, fine. Like, there's levels of greatness. You got to win championships to be GOATs. So when people want to don her as the, the greatest, of, I'm like, let's slow down. I've seen Donna Taurasi. I've seen Brianna Stewart. And you can sit there and tell me all day long, well, she's played with other great players. Okay, great. Championships. That's how we measure greatness overall. Uh, I got my Mike Woodson glasses on. I was trying them. I don't like them. It makes me dumb like Mike Woodson. Anyway, that's what he started with. Now he doubled down on it. He's defending his stance by saying, you all aren't hoopers. I am. Here he is. Please stop with all this race baiting shit. Please. Ain't nobody out here trying to do that. It's just hoopers. Now, the comment of great, they're both great, okay? We're talking about levels of greatness and immortality and in the pantheon of greatness. There are levels to great. 
with chips. That's how I think about it. You think about it differently, fine. But the only thing I'm gonna say is to all you keyboard courageous people that wanna call me a bum or try to make fun of my career, none of y'all could hold me. None of y'all. 90% of y'all didn't even pick up a basketball. You can't even dribble the rock, you can't even shoot. So let's stop being tough guys on the keyboard. Just because you disagree with somebody, doesn't mean you need to call their game a bum when you know that's not the case. Because every game day, I bring these people on the court for them to shoot around and people airball the ball, but these are the same people calling people bums. And I laugh, I'm like, oh, who's really the bum? And it's out of love. I come from a place of love. I don't come from a place of hate. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. I just called all these people that show up at game day bums, but I come from a place of love. I come from a place of a full head of hair. That's what I come from. I mean, full of shit. First, I'll hold you. I mean, look, I think your comments are race bait. I think if it was a black lady, you wouldn't say nothing. I don't think anybody would. We all understand that's the way the world works right now. We've had NBA, former NBA players and current NBA players actually come out and say this is black. Basketball is black. Protect our league. Beat up Whitey. I mean, so stop with that. I'll hold you. Hell, but I got to get my knee fixed first. I mean, I'm, you know, six weeks off of knee surgery. But, hey, I mean, you can't hold me. Shut up. Of course it's race baiting. Of course. Were you nuts? You know what I mean? I mean, what are you doing? Stop it. <laughs> can't hold me. Hey, all right. Uh, yeah, okay. Hey, look. Here's the deal. Caitlin Clark was a black lady, lesbian. What do you think they'd say? Nobody would criticize her today, tomorrow, or the next day. But I will say this. I will say this. Um, last night, Caitlin Clark wasn't very good. Last night, Caitlin Clark sucked. Last night, Caitlin Clark, for the second time that I have watched her, I watched her the first time last quarter and a half or two quarters against Nebraska. She was awful. And last night against Indiana, she was awful. And then on top of it, she was whining and complaining and all that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, you know what? No problem. But I'm, not, I'm starting to go with Jay Williams. Be honest with you. I'm starting to go with him. I mean, GOAT. GOAT don't quit. And that's what I saw last night. GOAT don't quit. <laughs> stop it. Just stop it. That's exactly what I saw last night. I saw a woman that is supposed to be the goat quit. All right? That's it. That's it. She quit. They took her out. She had a bad game. She's whining at Indiana's coach, whining at the officials, whining at her teammates. That's what she did. So Jay Williams ain't wrong, but for Jay Williams, I come from a place of love. I come from a place full head of hair. I mean, he called all people, all these guys that come on the court, uh, you know, bums, but he comes from a place of love. <laughs> man, oh man, that is really, really funny. Oh man. <laughs> I come from a place of love. You all are bums. But I come from a place of love. Oh, that's all you got to say, 
right? All you got to say is, you're racist. I come from a place of love. So full of shit. I love it. I do. So tomorrow, when game day is on, understand that Jay Will thinks that you all are bums. I'll, I'll hold you. 61 years old. I get this knee squared away. I'll watch you dribble around. Talk. I mean, hell, Indiana guys are worse than me held you back in your prime. What are you talking about? You had like, hey, if Jay Williams was such a badass and it's only chance, he should have gone to Rutgers. I mean, won a championship there. Instead, he's with Boozer and Dunleavy and Battier and 18 other pros. <laughs> and he acts, you know, that's like, you know, that whole thing about third base and think you hit a triple. Stop it. Hell, we beat Jordan with one pro. Uwe Blop. I guess Alford played a little bit. I mean, stop it. These dudes, man, are so full of shit. Thank God for this show. Thank God. Uh, I am off of Indiana. I'm done. It's over. Tonight is the worst gambling night all year. There is nothing that I want to gamble on tonight. Zero. Zip. I want to watch Princeton and Harvard because I think Princeton is one of the best teams in the country. I do. I want to watch Toledo at Bowling Green because I coached in that, and it's a pretty good rivalry, and Bowling Green's had a nice year. I want to watch Yale and Cornell tonight play for the Big East Tower, excuse me, the Ivy League title, but I got to tell you, there's like nothing I want to bet tonight. And this is the first time in ever. Like last night, I hit a parlay, a sweet little parlay of it. What was it? Hofstra and Northern Kentucky. I did a little research. I put a $200 parlay to win 600 and I nailed it because that's what I do. But there ain't a damn thing I want to bet tonight. Nothing. And it's the first time ever. Ever. I'm going to give you a bet that I think is a good bet. You ready? To make the final four, Arizona plus 260 means if you bet $100, you get 360 back. That's a good bet. That's a really good bet. Purdue is actually plus money, but how do you possibly bet on Purdue to go to the final four when they haven't gone since before I was in college? 1980 is the last time Purdue went to a final effing four. So how do you possibly, possibly bet on Purdue at plus money? I want to give you action. I want to give you bets. I want to say, hey, look, this is something you got to look at. But I'm telling you right now, Houston at Baylor. I don't want to bet that. IU at Penn State. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Listen to this. So Penn State just threw off their best player. 17 points a game. What did they do? They went and beat Illinois, who's battling for a Big Ten title, at home on three free throws. Because a guy that's good enough to get you fired named Coleman Hawkins, who is the epitome of good enough to get you fired, decided to foul a guy on a three-point shot with basically no time on the clock. So my beloved Hoosiers are going into Happy Valley. And they, according to ESPNNNN, have a 31.5% chance of winning against a 68%, 68.5% chance for frickin' Penn State. And our guy, Woodson, 
bitches, whines, and moans about not having a senior point guard. They kicked their 17-point-a-game score off of the team. It's crazy. Anyway, I'll hold you. you can, none of you can hold me. Maybe not. But you know what? I don't know. Not a bad knee, but it's getting good. Played uh, simulator golf yesterday. All right. What a great week. I got to thank everybody. We've had an unbelievable week. Thank you for following us. Thank you for watching us. Much appreciated. Root for Illinois State. We got a tough one in Peoria against a very good Bradley team. Probably take Bradley. Give the points. See you Monday.